Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. As I look forward to the side, Renee Paradis, or is it Paradise? What do you want? Par- paradise, maybe Paradise, a little later in the show. Again. <laughs> <laughs> well, Renee, thank you for joining us at the shack. It's a beautiful day out there. It's a gorgeous day, isn't it? Mm. Magic. It is magic. The sun off the water. You've got to evoke this stuff. Oh, um, and uh, as always, uh, we start the show off with the magical esky filled with whatever you want. I need the sound of ice now. Damn, I have to get on to that. Um, what are you grabbing from the uh, the beautiful esky? Look, I'm actually on a bit of a fitness fitness campaign, so... Um... Beetroot juice! <laughs> Not, not, no, not quite that fitness campaign. Okay. Yeah, yeah, come on. Um, I was thinking more a gin and um, <laughs> diet, diet tonic water, please. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> Health food. Mmm. <laughs> With a slice of lemon and a little squeeze in there as well. Please. Yes, thank you. And a, and a little bit of mango on the side for extra vitamins. <laughs> Sounds no, good. no, that's too much sugar. Oh, good. I'm okay. going to stay off the mango. Well, the great thing about the magic esky is you just got to just go in there and it just <laughs> there it is. I because I was a very very good boy last night and left a rather fabulous barbecue party um, at about I don't know ten thirty before eleven before eleven sober. Cam, that's you Re- being a good boy. <sighs> so it's, it gets boring, but I wanted to actually just to say to. Uh, all those people I was spending some time with, you are all awesome. And I had a really, really fun old time there. A barbecue, a real-life barbecue um, in the suburb. It's like house party. And what did you eat at the barbecue? Oh, we had lots of things. There what, were, what, there what, were, there were, so stand out? There were sausages. Oh, yeah. Uh, cool. There was a whole bunch of satay, some chicken, awesome salad, some veggie burgers, some beautiful salmon. And I brought a little little bag of prawns and just... Chuck that on the barbecue. In the shells still? Yeah, yeah. it's easier. God, you know, otherwise it takes too long, too long. Let, let people work for that. But uh, it was uh, – I left the cooking the prawns until late, so there was all this sort of room, this hubbub around the party going, mm. I heard there were prawns. <laughs> there were prawns? I heard there were prawns. Where are the prawns? <laughs> anyway, we, we got the prawns on and it was, uh, it was good fun. So, yes – Thank you very, very much for that. Today's show. You might as well give a little preview, huh? Yeah. Just give it our people an idea of uh, what to expect. Here's your little Ames bouche of uh, what is going on. Uh, we're going to be talking to a couple of chefs in different places, really, um, for their different roles. The first one is um, – well, actually, they're both buddies of mine. I would like to think they're, they're friends. Uh, Jerry Mai, the redoubtable Jerry Mai of uh, Anam in Little Burke Street, Phnom. Um, you might have had her bugging me's and uh, beautiful soups in – where's the first one? One's in Burke Street, top of Burke Street, near Spencer Street. 
The uh, the other, of course, is uh, Melbourne Central. Not Melbourne Central. What's what's the the new glammy one? The like Galleria or something like that. Yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, we'll go. With, we'll go with that. The train station but, one. Yeah, anyway, she's got places all over the joint. She's down at the Peninsula cooking barbecues, and I thought we might just quickly touch base with her and maybe get a little bit of inspiration, A, for what's on her Barbie and maybe what we can do. Also, maybe as an invitation to go down to, where is she at? The Ocean 8 Winery, which sounds great. But she'll describe where she is and we'll get a, a bit of a, a chat with her and how she's going. Cam, just a question. Um, I know sort of around this time of year, a lot of restaurants and stuff um, close can close. Yes. Yeah. So give and the coffee machines a rest. Give the coffee machines and yeah. and a lot of people or families breathe. travel overseas and probably get a lot of inspiration <laughs> for the next year. Like, is everyone yes. going very local? Well, you have to. Yeah, you wouldn't be wanting to go to London at the moment. No, you go to the peninsula or anywhere. Uh, yeah, well, you know why not? It's uh, it's the ultimate staycation, isn't it? Um, yeah, no inspiration of, you know, going to New Orleans or Milan. But maybe lots of local inspirations. We hope so. And maybe we'll inspire you guys with some of the things that they're doing. Also, there's um, things have warmed up now. It's a lot warmer. Like, what's it going to be, about 32 or something today, I think? Hot. Hot. Hotter. Not as big as tomorrow's going to be. But um, there was talk around the traps, around the hills, around the mountains. We don't have mountains, but uh, around the hills that this cool weather and uh, the precipitation, a.k.a. rain, uh, has popped mushrooms up and that there's been pineys and slippery jacks around. So I thought we'd have a chat to a local friendly mycologist. It's always good to have one in your Rolodex. (laughs) It is, yes. (laughs) Look up M for mycologist. (laughs) Uh, Cameron Russell. And um, he's actually doing us an enormous favour to chat with us because he's actually on the pans at Blue Pyrenees Estate in beautiful downtown Avoca, 157 kilometres away from here at the moment. And uh, we might talk to him about this phenomenon. I know how to say phenomenon, I just never know when to stop. Um, And uh, find out whether, is this natural? Should we freak out? And is this... Burst of mushrooms pumping up out of the ground going to affect the mycelium for autumn. These are the questions. Big questions. It's hey? very exciting. Well, yes. we're, we're going with the hard stuff it's here. It's just gone a bit day of the Triffids now, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I hope not. Yeah, don't look at any meteor showers, all right, folks? Um, and then uh, just to round things up, I thought we might do something a little bit different and... Um, we might uh, talk of the lore of the Panettone. You're listening to a Triple R podcast. Discover more podcasts from Triple R, exploring science, technology, food, books, social issues, politics, and more. To listen, hit up the Triple R website or your favourite podcast platform. Triple R is where you are, and God, we're so glad to have you at the Beach House. Uh, my name's Cam Smith. Normally, I'd be, well, maybe on the beach or doing something, because uh, normally what I do is take a little bit of time off, but I thought, hey, bugger it, we'll do something a little bit different. So thus, uh, the genesis of the Eat It Beach Shack 
and uh, we thought we'd do a little bit of a a little bit more chilled out kind of show but I got someone who's a bit of a live wire a bit fabulous and uh, someone who I dig greatly uh, Jerry Mai Jerry Mai hey you are wow I love it when that works Sorry, I got <laughs> Okay. Hey, I was padding, as you might have been able to tell. <laughs> Jerry, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, big hug. Merry haven't Christmas, seen Happy you New Year. Bloody yeah. ages, mate. Um, how you how you doing? I'm doing good. The weather's beautiful. I'm out in Mornington, overlook cooking with barbecues, overlooking hmm. beautiful vineyards. I mean, hmm. would it get better? Really? No. Nah. Nah. No, well, you know, you, you, you could be doing doing worse, uh, that's for sure. So, where are you? You're at the Ocean 8 um, Vineyard. Winery, yeah. Yeah, where, where is that? So, it's just uh, up in Shoreham or in Mornington, uh, oh, up it. in the Red Hill area. Yep. And it's a beautiful winery, really nice pinot gris, rosés, um, and we're just having a Vietnamese barbecue out here. Oh, I sounds... thought I got sick of the city. I got sick of the four walls. Yeah. I wanted to break free. And we came all the way out here. So who was your go-to to, to get that all organised? How did this genesis happen? Well, I've, uh, I've been friends with the one like Mike um, Alwood out here for the last maybe six, seven years. Uh-huh. And for a really long time, we've been talking about doing wine out here because uh-huh. wines that he makes matches beautifully with Asian food and smoky barbecue kind of food. Yeah. So it made perfect sense to come out here. Oh, that's, that sounds awesome. So, yeah, so we're, we're in a, a place, um, so you said, yeah, Mike Alwood is the, is the winemaker, um, Cool Climate Wines, there's, well, I was just looking, there's, he obviously yeah, does cool a, he, you've got to do a Pinot. He does a beautiful Pinot Gris, yeah. uh, the rosé is sensational, and I think if you get down here quickly enough this afternoon, you might be able to taste the last of last year's uh, rosé. Ooh, ooh, um, yeah. The Pinot Gris is probably going to run out soon in the next couple of weeks because we've been so busy down here. Wow. And then beautiful Chardonnay. Not your, you know, if morning, like, um, with Chardonnay, but really nice, light Chardonnay. Yeah, it's sort of light Chardonnay, so we're not talking the big buttery... No, not the buttery, with a bit of citrus note, oh, a beautiful perfect. little oak in it, and it's perfect for the food we're cooking. Yeah, and all right. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready to get hungry? Look get out. down. You need to get down here. Yeah, tell us. Okay, sensational down here, Cam. Oh, uh, look, I, I really, I really do want to. T- tell us about some of the things you're cooking and and what is a sort of a Vietnamese approach to barbecue? Oh, look, we just pack more flavour into it and we don't <laughs> burn it. And, <laughs> you mean you don't you don't burn the shit out of the food? No, we don't make it like charcoal. <laughs> the charcoal stays underneath the meat. Uh, oh, that's good. I remember that. The charcoal stays underneath the meat. Because, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. one of the things I love about um, Anam, uh, as well as just everything on the bloody menu, is the fact that you sort of move that opposite direction. Because, you know, we say that each action has an equal and opposite reaction. And we've moved away in a lot of ways from molecular gastronomy to oh, just, yeah. no, nah, I just want a fire pit and really, yeah. really good charcoal, and I want to cook everything off, yeah. off the fire pit. So, that's what we're doing. We've got, like, a bunning sausage on at the moment. We make our own sausages with a red curry paste in it, oh. served in white bread, like at Bunnings. Yeah. We have a uh, beautiful beef rib that we've braised in coconut cream. Mm. Uh, we serve some bowels and some um, uh, beautiful slaw. Oh, uh, I've got uh, 
you know, curry, uh, uh, pork rib in like a green chili paste. We've got calamari on the grill coming off with green papaya. So it's all sensational. Yeah. Okay. Um, sorry, I, I, I just, I've just a mental thing, and I was just working which, which one I want to have first. Um, and what about uh, for our lovely plant-based diets? I was some beautiful roasted um, uh, cauliflower with a miso on it. We can do veggie salads as well. What sort uh, of miso? Veggie you... spring roast. Sorry, mate. Uh, white miso for the cauliflower? Uh, yeah, no, a dark caramelised miso. What? Oh, really? Yeah, like a burnt miso on it. Yeah, so it's beautiful. How do you... Over the char grill, with the, and we're using at the moment iron bark. Yeah. It burns really smoke. The smoke comes out of it. It's really fragrant, and it burns hot and hard. Oh, Ironbuck, yeah, it takes a while to get going, doesn't it? But once you get that thing uh, going, it's like a Mallee root. Yeah, and... yeah, it's so good to cook with. Oh, gosh, that sounds good. And the um, the other thing, okay, let us know um, how long is this uh, fabulous residency taking place for? So, Cam, I'm here uh, today. We're here, we're down there Friday, Saturday, Sunday next week. Mm. Australia Day is my last weekend here. I'm going to go out with a big bang. I've got Friday, Saturday... Monday, Monday, Tuesday. Yes. On Monday, I've got George coming to do a uh, roast off with me. What, George Byron? George Columbaris is coming to do a, a roast off with me. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, okay. George Columbaris. <laughs> yeah. So what, the, the, got, it's going to be a Greek-Vietnamese battle. Yeah, Greek-Vietnamese Springvale versus Mulgrave. Oy. Yeah, Oy. and then on Monday, the, uh, as long as the borders stay open, Sarah Tiong's coming down to do a barbecue with me. Oh, yes, yes. And then on the last day, I'm going out with a big bang of Diana Chan and Khan Ong. Oh, my God. Roommates yeah. cooking it off. That's And a... Gary will be here to judge them. Oh, really? Yes. So oh, I'm I... going out with a big bang, cooking a barbie with all my mates on Australia Day, like we always do. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Oh, look, that's... Yeah. Uh... That sounds really, really good, Jerry. And um, <laughs> uh, just a word, just to give you a little bit of a free shot. Tell us a little bit about what's happening with um, your other premises that are open, and uh, how can we direct them in there well, to enjoy your home, great please. food? With all these new cases again, and Glen Waverley's gone dead again, so it's a repeat of January last year for me out in Glen Waverley. Oh, no. Please, please come back out. Yes. Um, uh, say the, say the name. On the S- sorry, Jerry. Say, say the name again. Beer Ho. Yep. So that's a Vietnamese pub out in Glen Waverley. Yep. We've got Fernandes in the city. I've got my Emporium store and my Collins Street store open. Mm. Uh, and then uh, once we finish out here, we'll start working out what we're going to do with um, Adam. Yeah, good. Good. Well, um, a big hug to you, Jerry. Uh, have fun. I mean, this you couldn't have a better day than... It's sensational. Cool climate people vineyard. Their, yeah, people bringing picnic blankets, camp chairs, camp tables. Mm. It's no reservation, no minimum stand. You just come in the gate. Yeah, the only thing you can't bring is a dog. So, as far as I can see from your press release here. Uh, Jerry, look forward to catching up soon. Uh, awesome. Thank you so much, Cam. Pleasure, mate. Well, have fun cooking and uh, glad to see that you've got the charcoal on the bottom <laughs> and the meat on the top. I the love fire's it. lit, so come down. We'll, wait, we'll see you next week, Cam. Done, mate. All right. See you, awesome. Jerry. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. 
Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up rrr.org.au to find out how. We have busy working the pans, but he's taken a little bit of time off for us. Got you, Rock Cam Russell, because, well, A, you've got a beautiful first name, but we love you, Cam. Hi. Hi, Cam. We love you too. Mm. So I feel the love in the room. It's, it's gorgeous. Um, we're talking to you from quite a ways away. You're at uh, Blue Pyrenees Estate. Out of Avoca, yes. Out of Avoca. Yeah, yeah. You sound a little yep. bit out of breath. What have you been doing? You've been running around the kitchen or something? Oh, the orders are just starting to pile in. <laughs> Shit. Sorry. <laughs> you know that feeling? Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> All right, Stop well, laughing, you mongrels. Okay. All right. Well, um, the, the great thing is that... Um, uh, we were able to, to get you to have a quick chat to us and uh, in doing so I've promised that we'll give uh, Blue Pyrenees a great plug so that we see that there's some value for uh, your employers in this thing. Oh, and look, it's a, great, it's a great place to work and uh, Andrew, uh, who's the CEO here, he's yes, out here helping us get set up for some music event today. It's like, look, we're a big happy family actually. It's kind of really fun. Oh, that's good. That's good. And yeah. um, how long have you been cooking there for now? Oh, just a few months. You know, the uh, COVID has, has made life easy for all of us. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that, was that irony? <laughs> yes, I was. Oh, good, yeah. Possibly sorry. verging on sarcasm. I, I, was t- I, I, I turned into an American and my irony meter had fallen, but it's like I've found it again. Um, hey, listen, we thought we'd um, get you on the line as um, your... Uh, other great role as um, mycologist to the stars, um, uh, <laughs> you know, Mister Mister Mushroom Toy. If you've been listening to Triple R off and on for I don't know how many years, you would have 27, heard twenty seven. Have you been doing the Mushroom Tours that long? Twenty seven years. Where yep. does time go? Oh bloody hell! Um, <laughs> so you know we've and we've spoken through through uh, droughts and flooding rains of you know some well, years yeah. there've been lots of mushrooms. Sometimes there hasn't been, but it would appear that um, an interesting phenomenon has uh, has reached us here in the fact that the mycelium have let loose some flowering caps over the last uh, week or so. Yeah, look, when the temperatures are right and the and the moisture's right, they'll they'll we'll get a flush that comes through. It's not that the season started earlier. We often get mm. a flush at the end of summer through for January into to, to February, depending on the weather, and then sort of the season kicks off again here in Victoria, yeah. sort of around May, June, yeah. and then sometimes another kick on in September, August. I mean, September and August is, of course, morel season as well, but if we get the right kind oh, of morels. mushrooms, yes. uh, sorry, weather, we get mushrooms coming up, it's great. Well, the, the, I mean, further north you go, they nearly have a nine-month-a-year season. So. What? Jealous. North? Yeah. Where? North up, north up around Mullumbimby, all the way uh, up into Brisbane. Oh, okay, yeah, I was thinking... I was thinking, of, I was thinking I don't know why, but I was thinking Mildura, and I'm going, isn't there no, mushrooms no. there, mate? No. Much further than Tell him he's dreaming. But, yeah, up in... Up in uh, Mullumbimby land and Nimbin. Yeah, Nimbin and further north. Not just uh, not the not just the the other ones, but also we get there's a, quite a lot of uh, edibles up there that are really quite delicious. We don't see as often down south. Oh, really? Okay, because uh, you know over the over the years, um, 
I, I'm still not really, um, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I still, uh, I'm a little bit worried about when I pick mushrooms. So I want to get the, the right ones. And the easiest ones that I've always seen are those big bloody orange things known as a pine mushroom. And yes, the that's... Lactaris deliciosa. They're the ones. Say that again for our listeners. Lactaris deliciosa is the ones you want to pick. Don't confuse them with... Uh... Uh, Gymnopilus, uh, they look kind of a little bit similar, oh, no. the, but the saffrons are always uh, a nice, hence a name, yes. have this beautiful orange colour to them. And if you don't have a vivid saffron colour, then you probably haven't got the right thing. Yeah, so, and uh, and that would be, if we're going to do anything really serious in this, this report, if you are unsure, do not consume because... Um, there can be catastrophic uh, consequences if you have the wrong mushroom. Correct. Death is forever, mm. not just for, for mushroom season. <laughs> yes, that's nice. Let me just write that down. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Cam. Yeah. Or we could do that as our epitaph. Um, my favourite have always been Spike Milligan. I told you I wasn't feeling well. Correct. Yes, correct. So, um, so the, it's, this isn't going to affect the mycelium. We're going to see um, a normal flush. Um, and oh, the, yeah, absolutely. And the, last year when we were all locked up and mm. couldn't go anywhere, it was a cracker of a season. It was one of the best ones in probably a decade. Yeah. So, I, you know, it's high hopes that this season coming will be at least as good, but uh, you never know. The mycelium gods do have a sense of humour. Well, we'll see. And the, and the great thing is that we are in a, a La Nina year. Yeah, so, nice and wet. Yeah, nice and wet, which, uh, which is, is kind of good. Um, just very quickly, um, we won't keep you for too much longer, maybe just a, a couple more minutes. If you Are you cool with that? Yeah, sure. Oh, good, okay. Yeah, the orders are mounting <laughs> up. and uh, But favourite way of, um, of serving up a, um, uh, if anybody's lucky enough to get any of these pine mushrooms, have you got a favourite thing that goes with them? Um, look, if they're out around this time of year, the thing that I would be doing is I'd poach them off, a bit, a bit like uh, mushrooms a la Greek, a little bit of vinegar, Ooh. a little bit of thyme. Ooh. And um, and serve them cold. Like in autumn and winter, I, I'm always for hot dishes, but I think that this time of year, the ones that come up, a um, little bit of pickled mushrooms on the side of the plate just to, to go with the, the weather. You know, it's not the time of year for big hot dishes. It's mm. something that's refreshing and off the top. A little bit of lemon thyme, salt and pepper, but you guys know how to do it. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Oh, you just um, inspired us. What a great idea. Mushrooms are the Greek is one of those things... You know, you can actually, if you do get your browns or whatever from the supermarket, you can you can do that as well with Absolutely. your pickling liquid. Uh, one to two vinegar, two water. Yeah, I think well, that you know you can be controversial. You can pop in anything. You know, a little bit of pinot vinegar. You could go but, look. I know it's. I, I can hear the haters before I even say it. But you can even pop in a little bit of sugar into your pickling liquid. Oh yeah, well that's that's all about the balance, though, isn't it? Balance yeah. and harmony. No, no, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to diss you for that. Um, oh, good. Thank um, you. No, no, I love you too much for that, buddy. Uh, but you know, one thing that I did do, and this was an Alan Campion um, thing from Melbourne Food Experiences: uh, rosemary and roasted hazelnuts, allegretti. Yeah, that is that is hazelnuts and mushrooms just go magnificently together. Excellent. All right, that's on the platters here at Blue Pyrenees next week. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. And so, yeah, Alan Campion told us to do that. Um, now, he's a lovely fella. 
He is a good boy. I don't know if you're listening. G'day, Alan. There you go. A little cheerio for you. Um, if you were going to have a bottle of something from the Blue Pyrenees estate, if... Well, considering how calm and... Uh casual the kitchen will be when I walk back in the door. <laughs> irony, <laughs> irony, did you get that? Yes. I think a big, uh, a, a, an elegant glass, should be, I should say, an elegant glass of midnight cuvee from mm. Blue Pyrenees. I'm, uh, I'm the, the man who makes it literally walking out towards me right at the moment. Really? Uh, is What's his name? Andrew Kerner. Andrew. He is an excellent winemaker and a lovely fella. Oh, really? And uh, Midnight Cuvée, of course, that it would be a sparkling wine, I'm guessing? Sparkling wine, of course, yes. And it's Australian called spark. Midnight Cuvée because? Harvested in the middle of the night. Why? Well, they found... You bump into the vineyard. They're north and hot. It's, um, you know, it's, uh, they got the sugars and the acids balanced out right by picking them at the, mm. in the middle of the night. So that's what happens. It's a delicious drop, I have to say. Wow. Is it expensive? No, it's $34. Okay. That's not, not, bad, that's not bad for a bottle of fizz. That sounds yeah, good. A good bottle of fizz, too. All right. Well, um, I guess the, the main thing to take out of this is, yes, there's a bit of mushrooms happening. They probably won't survive the next day or so, I would imagine. Um, no. But um, the, uh, the most important thing, folks, it's great to go out foraging because it's a beautiful commune with nature. But if you are unsure, do not consume. Stay safe. Mm. Stay happy. You're going to be doing tours this year? Yes, we're going to be doing tours again. Maybe a few less this year, come yeah. in May and June, and mm. um, we'll, we might even have a crack at doing one up up this way. Yes. Um, but I'll, uh, we'll, we'll see. I'll the gods. Work that out later. We'll yeah. see with the mushroom gods. Cam, I'll let you get back to the kitchen. A huge thank you for taking the time off and walking away from the orders to speak to us, buddy. Always a glory to do that for you, Cam. See you later. See ya. Bye. And if we can do theatre of the mind now, Cameron Russell has just turned around. He's turned off his phone, and I would imagine he's now running towards the kitchen where in front of him are bits of paper. And every one of those bits of paper is a task that he has to do really quickly. So... Um, we just want to thank Cam again for taking the time off to, um, yeah, move step away from the pan, shall we say, Renee? I was just going to say, um, excuse me, but my entree still hasn't arrived. Yeah, where's my entree? <laughs> excuse me. Oh, and just thank God we're not in America because when they get abusive, people start calling you sir. Sir? Whereas in Australia, Sir? We, we would just sip on our lovely glass of curvet. Curvet midnight. <laughs> This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website, rrr.org.au. Did I say how much I'm enjoying having you at the beach shack? Do you want to have a go at the hammock? It's pretty comfy. It's in the shade. Oh, there it is. Gee, we're going to have to do something about those logs there, <laughs> holding it up. Um, but I thought we might take a little bit of a left turn deviation, shall we say. Um, this is uh, non-guest-driven radio, which is an interesting concept, you know. Is it driven by leftovers? 
it is driven over by leftovers. Well, hopefully if you've still got some, because um, I actually went and stopped off at Ligon Street to pick up a panettone. Um, I don't know why I always get gangsterish when I say panettone. <laughs> you, you tend to um, evoke the... Um Good fellas the vibe. Ac- the accent of whatever uh, uh, food that you're talking about. Well, you're talking Cam, about I've, the I've observed this over the last two weeks. Actually, it was more Scarface, I think. Yeah, that was a bit more last night, was it? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> so, yes, panettone. Um, what are your thoughts on the panettone? Do you love a panettone? Well, my reaction before was I don't think anyone loves 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 yeah. a panettone. Really, no, you love a chocolate cake. Yeah, love, but mm-hmm. you don't love a panettone. You go, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a panettone. <laughs> What's to love? I mean, I, I, okay, it's it's not hate, Ken. No, 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 we're not hating. <laughs> we're not hating on this on this thing. Is it a bread? Is it a cake? But that's, um, that's, um, yeah. <laughs> With with okay with with a glass of fizz, um, and if if the panettone is is fragrant, I mean the, one of the really great things about a really great panettone for me is its fragrance and its oh it smells great you know because there's there's all that stuff in it and I have got to say actually I marvel at a panettone because I love its open crumb and yet it's soft and it's moist. No, I love a panettone. You love? No, I really okay. a, a good one. So what? And maybe that's maybe that's my problem. Yeah. Maybe but I haven't. Maybe had you just haven't had the, uh, a, good, a, a good one. So what should it smell like? Oh well, it, I think there's there's obviously one of the things that makes the panettone is the fact that it has a lot of candied um, fruit in it, which is one of the things that make made it such a luxurious thing. Because it's it's been around like they did something like that in Roman times, and uh, the word itself comes from it's two things: panetto, which means sort of like a small bread thing, but then they added panettone, which means it's big, mm-hmm. pretty simple sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's other there's other legends. But uh, apparently, look within Italy, the panettone has been considered homegrown, so it's obviously from. Italy, we're talking the north. It's not ain't no Sicilian thing. Um, it's a Lombard specialty since the 19th century, uh, and the pastry was first mentioned in a manuscript from the 1470s. Wow. So I saw that eyebrow just pop mm. up then. Yes. Mm. Um, and from the Middle Ages onward, the, this pastry was appropriate for a feast day precisely because it involved ingredients that were hard to come by. In those days, cakes and things like that um, were, uh, what do we got? The, the bread flour was usually involved cheaper grains like spelt and rye. And the first panettone was made entirely from wheat flour. So it's like, What? You have a bread made completely from wheat. It's like, you know, driving around in a Bugatti or maybe being like Jamiroquai and being in a Ferrari. Of course, they didn't have Ferraris in those days. But, um, yeah, it was made entirely from wheat flour and apparently thus was more likely to impress the in-laws. This was a bread of envy. Uh, It's still fruit, so... 
Yeah. So sugared fruit, not candied fruit. Well, we had things like candied citron, orange peel, and this was another thing because we think you're in the north of Italy, not a place where you grow oranges because the altitude's too high. Mm -hmm. It's too cold. Mm. Um, So these ingredients would have had to have come from hundreds of miles away and beyond perhaps the borders of what is modern-day Italy, because we know Italy is a sort of a modern construct. Um, so there are a couple legends as to how the panettone eventuated, and I'm going to, if you will allow me, I will tell you one of them. How's your drink going? You okay? Very good. My no, Sazerac is awesome. Yeah. You guys got a drink out there? Grab a beer. Uncle Cam's going to tell you a story. <sighs> Once upon a time... A handsome young Milanese noble, Ugetto Atelani, loved falconry. He was rich, so this was like, again, driving around a Ferrari. His favourite place to fly his falcons was near a poor baker's shop. As he sat under a fig tree, waiting for his falcons, he could see the beautiful baker's daughter, Adalgisa. I think that's her name anyway. I can't, that's the best pronunciation I can do with that. Adalgisa. She was hard at work. Of course, Ugetto fell in love, and he couldn't bear to see the object of his love work so hard for so little. So he disguised himself as a peasant and offered to work for the baker for free. He discovered that he enjoyed baking. Hey, this baking, it's okay, you know, it's kind of fun. However, he didn't feel the coarse corn cakes that the baker made for Christmas were worthy of the love and the work that Adalgisa had put into them. And in order to buy the fine flour and eggs he had been accustomed to as a noble, Ugeto, you know what he did, Rene? He sold his beloved falcons. Not the falcon. <laughs> the falcon. Not the Ferrari. <laughs> Not the Valiant. Um, anyway, but what he did was he, he sold his beloved falcons, got some cash, and he added dried grapes and candied fruits. And word of the wonderful bread spread and the baker became very successful. Ugeto removed his disguise to revealing the nobleman he was. He must have had a lovely jerkin underneath his... <laughs> His thing, and and um, and asked for Adalgisa's hand in marriage. The Duke of Milan, uh, Ludovico Sforza, arranged the wedding. Sorry, Italians, I know I murdered my pronunciations. Anyway, they all arranged the wedding on which Leonardo da Vinci came as a guest. Hey, this cake is okay, you know. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> anyway, the course, uh, the the cake-like bread was featured at the wedding and became known as pan de ton, which in local dialect means the bread of luxury. Anyway, there's another legend. I'll do this one a little bit quicker. Uh, the second legend puts down the recipe to human error. On Christmas Eve, the Duke of Milan, he's holding a banquet, right? Right. Right. At the last moment, however, his chef accidentally burns the splendid dessert. Bloody hell, what am I going to do, he says. Uh, he doesn't have the time or the ingredients to make another. Luckily, a scullery boy called Tony comes to the rescue. With a pan? Yeah. Hey, check this out. No, 
He tells, no, he comes with bread, panna. He tells the chef that he has made his family uh, a delicious cake using nothing more than a few leftovers and offers him the recipe. The chef is, of course, a little wary. But since he thinks I could lose my head um, and he doesn't have any other choice, he accepts. And to his amazement, the Duke and the guests, well, what do they do? They adored the cake, which, at the chef's suggestion, is named in the scullery boy's honour. Panna. Tony. To Tony. <laughs> Antonio. Hey. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. 